Are dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top-notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state-of-the-art equipment and techniques. Rogerstein Crash Repairs saved my car. It looks brand new. Fast, friendly and reliable. I wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle. Don't let accidents slow you down. Visit Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide at 14 Penner Avenue, Glind for quality service you can count on. And here's a special offer just for our listeners. Mention this podcast and receive a $100 discount on your repair. Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide. Excellence in every repair. Previously, Previously. on the Game On Podcast. They don't realise behind the scenes the signage the, you know, the grass art, the, you know, people involved at all the different levels, you know, scaffold people and, yeah, it's crazy. I thought with a the crowd there, Baz, I just thought we should have locked everyone in, mate, not let, not allowed anyone to go. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was, good. It was a good weekend. Oh, did, it was. Did, yeah. you, did you get five minutes to sit back and actually watch some of the footy on the weekend? Yeah, I went... Um, I sort of got the girls a position up in the southern stand, my my girls. And yep. so for a period there, I think it was on the Sunday other, I went up there and just sat with my daughter and, yeah, just had a look at it. It was great, you know, to see that sort of vibe. And, you know, I mean, just a massive thank you to the government and to the AFL, to the Nord Council. But you had to, to you the, had to put up with Will Bakewell in the grandstand up there with you, mate. So that was a pretty big, big, significant uh, out of you. G'day, Will. I'm sure you'll enjoy your mention there. Where, where, where was that? What was that? I'm for? just saying with your daughter with Will Bakewell on a Sunday. So you know that <laughs> that was a big commitment by you as well, mate. So touche, Will. William. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So no, but I mean, and the board of the footy club, you know, the board just fantastic. That they they had the faith because there, there were days where I'm sure they looked and thought mm, maybe this maybe this is a bridge too far but they held firm and as I said it was just brilliant to see the whole state pull together. Oh, it was to all, and that was the know? thing with me, Baz. I, I don't I don't think there would be a per, a supporter from a club I didn't speak to last weekend. I spent a fair bit of time in at the you know, the footy bit in the, in Elder Park and all that. And it was just awesome. Look, I'm not an AFL person. I'm far more an SNFL person. But it was absolutely awesome to finally have something which wasn't Victorian-centric and be here and appreciate it. And the atmosphere it was, it was just like the inaugural Grand Prix. And we're going to cover it again a bit later on. And it was just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It was a, if Impey had a scored that goal, that last goal, I think the place would have exploded. Yeah, because it was a pro. And to our credit, and to your to you, Baz, Hawthorne have already requested to play again at Nord Oval next year. So hopefully that does help us keep at least one game. Yeah, that'd be good. I, yeah. I think. As, yeah. as I said, to, to, I, I can't ever remember a time 
when there was such a good feeling and people were, you know, even in the in the turf industry, you know, guys all texting each other yeah. at Mount Barker. You know, yeah, Mount Barker, Matty Sampson at Unley. Everyone just texting each other, is everyone all right? How, how are you all going? And it was fantastic, you know, that just everyone bonded together. And I think that's a key point, Baz. It's a really important point, exactly that. Everyone bonded together. It's, it was a unique atmosphere, um, you know, a unique experience, experience really, and even yeah. look, I actually went out to Unley for the Collingwood training on Sunday morning, got asked upstairs to Sturt's News facility, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, just things like that. It, it was just a goodwill vibe with so many things. Yeah. I, I, as I said, I just, it's just a massive – we're just blessed that we were given the opportunity, I think. And, and if we hopefully but, we keep it next year and – Hopefully, therefore, I would say that the canteen at the scoreboard end gets the same treatment as the canteen did it. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket and any other sports played in this wide world and we're gonna have a blast doing it so sit back relax and let's do this thing welcome to game on welcome to game on my name's pete once again joined by malcolm and barry last week was fantastic talking about the fraternity of uh, brothers in the greenskeepers field of work yeah it gave us a good insight and certainly a little bit of stuff which went on with gather round and the afl you know as we said more it's probably had more water and fertilizer in the last six last three months than it's had in the last 60 years yep lovely to have afl money around so yeah it was it was a great insight I got approached on Sunday from a greenskeeper for Lawn Bowls, but he does listen to our pod- podcast, uh, Corey Hicks. A big shout-out to Corey. Um, uh, works hard on the greens down at Lockley's there, and um, and he said he'd been listening and thought it was fantastic that Barry gave us his insights as to how the fraternity is, not only yeah, for, for, is, for bowling but also for footy as well. They are and cricket close, and so on. It's a close-knit fraternity. Yeah. You know, a lot of them are affectionately lunatics about that side of things and that's meant as a compliment and absolutely and and fantastic job and thank you barry once again yep around the grounds on around the grounds today we're going to have a a bit of talk about adelaide united the snflw getting to the business end of the league it's part of it. Uh, the development squad obviously finished last week. Uh, the netball, but we're going to start off uh, once again with the AFL. Round six uh, completed. Any surprises for you from round six? Not really. Probably Western Bulldogs beating Fremantle so easily over in Perth was probably the major one. Mm-hmm. Um, but you really, the fact that most people got eight or nine, there'll be some upsets this week. <laughs> Absolutely. Try and pick your game where it'll ha- be the upset this week. Absolutely. Uh, I was in the same boat, I think, when I uh, did our tips. Uh, yeah. Both of us got an eight or a nine somewhere in there as well. Uh, yes, the Bulldogs were, were, was a bit of a surprise. Uh, I think Geelong really giving um, Sydney as much of a towel up as they did. I know Sydney are struggling a little bit with injuries and it was also at Cadinia Park, which is you know, really a home ground advantage yeah. for those guys there. 
Uh, probably the other surprise was the Crows and, and Hawthorne. A lot of a lot of people were obviously overconfident with the way that the Crows played. My question to you is, do you think the extra time off that they had may have just sort of broke that momentum for them? So, mate, mate, possibly. But I think it's more the point of you've played a game at Gather Round, you've played a showdown, the 50,000, or in the atmosphere just being down, so even just fixed subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And Adelaide had enough of that ball in the second quarter to go in three or four up. Would have made Hawthorne have to attack more, not lock down, lock yep. down, force a ball, you know, dead ball situation, yep. that side of things. So it could have been totally different in that regard. And in the end, Adelaide pinched it. So, yeah. They, they talk about teams that have got to win ugly, generally, uh, you know, as part of that building block that they've got to have a game or two like that to just see where they're at. And I don't know if you saw some of the footage of Matty Nix in the last 30 to 40 yeah. seconds, really just told Van Berlo and the other coaches, hey, stop, let's just see how this plays out. Well, that was too It was very mature. Dawson, mm-hmm. Dawson called the shots in the last 30 to 40 seconds. Now, Adelaide had a bit of luck there. Yep. Miller was probably pretty lucky not to get a free kick yep. paid against him for in the back. That was very clumsy. Yep. Um, so, yeah, a little bit. But, yeah, but they played it pretty smart apart from Miller there on that one yep. bit. Do you think it was great that um, uh, Nix has empowered the players to go, you know what, win, lose or draw, we're going to see how this plays out and use it as a learning experience? Yeah, well, I think what you really can't do as much as you used to be able to. The fact now it's the six 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 rule, you can't put the guy behind the ball straight away. So it yeah. makes it pretty hard. So the players have really got to know, right, what's the set play? Mm-hmm. So if Dawson's playing half back, he then floats back in that last minute once the ball ups in. So it's got to be done beforehand. So and I he, think that's what it really was. He did call Laird back as well. Yeah. So he really was marshalling the troops or directing yeah. traffic. Uh, likened a little bit to last season with Scott Penderby with Collingwood, really um, being that marshal down in that back line uh, when things did get a bit tight. If any side isn't practising the last two minutes in terms of both situations, just be in front or just be behind, mm-hmm. they're lunatics. You know, not to... Co- Collingwood did it so effectively last year, didn't they? And even Collingwood this bit where, and I will say, on I watched that last quarter uh, after the... North game mm-hmm. on the, on Anzac and just sat and just watching it in the bar at the, at the Cooper's Corner. I will say Collingwood's work rate and run and support of their teammate mm-hmm. is the best I've ever seen in that last quarter. Wow. For someone who's watched, obviously, eight billion games of footy. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, another surprise for me was probably Carlton and St Kilda. Once again, St Kilda burning us. We... We sort of keep waiting for something to happen, and yet the structure that uh, oh, I tip uh, Saints. It, so did I, but yes. I, but I'm just saying oh, that you man, thought that Carlton were going to come out and respond after such a not a poor effort against the Crows because I think the Crows definitely deserve the credit for that first quarter and then controlling the rest of the game. But you sort of expected some sort of reaction, and they didn't quite get it the way that I thought they might. I think it's showing that they are relying on the Twin Towers a bit, and. Uh, their efficiency going forward is not not great. Yeah, but if McKay's got a kick for golf, my life for my life, mate, I'm back. I'm back. On, I'm back. I'm back drinking. We're going out for out for the night because that'll be it. Like, geez, you, he's if he's lined up for goal, you're not backing him. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's go back to the drop punt. Darcy Fogarty, yes, run straight at goal, kick the drop punt. Yes. I know I'm old. I know I'm old fashioned, but McKay, it's not working. This kick round the corner. Let's just go back to basics. I think that, yeah, there's a lot of things going through his mind at the time. I think you're right. Go back, settle yourself, take your full 30 oh. seconds. 
if you do want to go around, you don't have to go at such sharp, sharp angles. But anyway, we'll go on from yeah. that. Uh, we'll yeah. talk about the uh, crosstown rival Port Adelaide playing the West Coast Eagles. No real surprises yeah, there. West Coast is so depleted at the yeah. moment. Uh, you know, they've even got some of their ex-stars that have only retired yes. in the last couple of years coming out and playing in the their waffle. waffle. Um Huge, huge ramifications, obviously, for them as the year goes on. Um, well, you wouldn't back West Coast in an internal at the moment. It, it would be pretty tough. Uh, the Suns in North Melbourne played out a pretty entertaining game. Um, I think the Suns did what they needed to do. Probably the best thing about that was Ben. It was King Ben King's best game since uh, you know coming back from the knee recut at the start. He started pretty slowly, so hopefully that'll give him a bit of confidence. Absolutely. Uh, and then we finish off on the. Uh, this was the Anzac round that we, we're talking about now that. We finish off with uh, Melbourne and uh, Richmond on the Monday night. Both Great games, crowd. In, yeah, both games probably on the Monday night and then on Tuesday with a better side. Yes, coming over, just showing their class in the last quarter and a half. I think Richmond were pretty gallant for yeah, they were. for two and three quarters of of the game. I was at the Bay for the um, Bay's. and Woodville West Torrens game. I will admit, I did walk into the bar to watch the last quarter of the. Melbourne Richmond hey, game, fair, so. fair enough, uh, and then obviously the uh, the final game of the round, the ANZAC, uh, always attracts a big crowd, always attracts a lot of eyeballs. But uh, on this ca- on this occasion, they uh, they had a, a record crowd for an ANZAC day round. Yeah, which is great. But I will still say the SANFL have got it right that the previous year's grand finalists, you should get a reward for playing yep. for making the grand final ANZAC day the big game. Collingwood and Essendon effectively get a game of finals-like intensity uh, as a bonus each year. Mm-hmm. And I just think, yet again, it shows it shows that it's the well, Victorian-based competition. Absolutely. Well, the argument could be that the showdown is pretty close to a finals atmosphere as well. Uh, Gather Round sort of provided that a little bit more than uh, usual for the both Adelaide sides. I just think Anzac Day, though, it shouldn't be a monopoly of two clubs. That's my own yep. thoughts. Uh, agreed. It's been going on for quite some time. Yeah. It probably won't change for a no, while. But I do no. like the idea of... Both both sides grand finalists getting a crack at that prime time prime time time slot, yeah. so to speak. All right, mate. We move on to uh, round number seven this yep. week. Uh, Port Adelaide v St Kilda. I think you've got to go for the Saints in Melbourne. Uh, S, uh, Port decimated by injuries, a bit up forward. Now speaking about injuries, uh, we didn't because of the way that our timing was yep. with our uh, podcasting. We didn't get a chance to uh, talk about Mitch Georgiatis uh, doing a knee in the SNFL. Let's just say, I won't name who I was with, but uh, he he said, because I was at the Sturt Port game at Unley, and he said, uh, have a look at Georgiatis' body language. I turned around and I turned, watched him for the next 30 seconds to a minute. Yep. I'm sorry, he, would, he wanted to be anywhere but Unley Oval. He then dropped the chest mark, which you and I would have taken, and did his knee in that. Now, I'm not it's nope. I'm not making a joke, but nope. I feel for the lad Absolutely. and all that. But I do wonder. There have been discussions attitudes. that potentially he's heading back west, obviously home home pool. He certainly looked like he did not want to be out on only oval. Yep. So. Uh, bad injury, obviously, to a young fella. And uh, once again, uh, worst case was uh, confirmed uh, yes. 24 hours later, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, yes, I'm a bit with you. I think St Kilda have just got that little bit more um, structure at the moment. And I think Rossi Lyon is just yeah. a new man, isn't he? I, but, I saw him giving high fives to everybody yeah. going around the other. Never in his entire coaching career has he done that. 
Let's not forget, though, Port have beaten St Kilda in 11 of the last 12 they've played. They've okay. been St Kilda's absolute bogey side. So right. yeah. wait and see on that one. I agree with you. Being at Marvel Stadium yep. in Victoria does give St Kilda the uh, slight edge yep. on that one. Yep. All right, we move on. Uh, Brisbane v the Dockers. Brisbane. Brisbane as well. The Dockers yep. are just disappointing a little bit at the moment. Not even I, just going. I can't can't mount a case, unfortunately. No, very disappointing. Uh, the... Derby, up, uh, not Derby, what do they call it? Battle of the Bridge. Yeah, Battle of the Bridge, Sydney a couple back in. Um, yeah, I know they put on the thing that Buddy was being stood by a 20th player who played 23 games so far, making a bit of a deal of that. Well, yep. the way Buddy's gone so far, as we said at the Paynham Tavern, we could have done the raffle and decided who was going to stand him amongst who was in the bar in the, room, the way yep. Buddy's been going. But, uh, so I don't quite get so excited by that. But I think McCartan is the big in yes. for them. The defence and you would expect f- a little bit of a, a, a comeback, I suppose. Yeah, after and G- GWS have lost Taylor, who is probably arguably the, the best. Com- he's one of the best three. I've actually been impressed with GWS's yeah. um, ability to be able to stick in games and really just show that little bit of fight. Yes, they're probably down a couple of personnel at the moment. Um, that little bit of class they did obviously lose Taranto and Hopper. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're a little bit on the rebuild, but I'm impressed with what I'm seeing so far. Tom Green's a big backing, is a big inclusion, so... Absolutely. Yeah. All right, the Bulldogs and the Hawks. Bulldogs. Bulldogs for me as well. Melbourne, North Melbourne. Melbourne. Absolutely uh, agree with you there. Uh, well, surely Carlton can beat the Eagles. It is over in Optus Stadium. And generally, Carlton travel pretty well to the West. Yeah, as I said, you just can't tip West Coast. All right, now we've got a bit of a beauty on Sunday. Uh, Essendon v Geelong. I'll go Geelong. I think Essendon, the mental side of that, after being five up at three-quarter time... I'd have to agree. ...and being completely yeah. overrun, I think. Yet while Cam Guthrie's a big out and Merritt is a big back in, where Merritt's only got himself to blame mm-hmm. for that, in fact, he wasn't playing on Anzac Day, mm-hmm. um, that, that's a big in, but I'll go... I'll go Geelong. I'll go Geelong as well on the basis that I think they're just starting to get that, that rhythm going. Yes. The first couple of rounds when it looked like everything was going to fall apart for them, you got to remember that, that that was the oldest list in the AFL last year and they did play in a grand final. So a lot of their grand final, um, sorry, their preseason would have started just slightly later. Yep. So they're just starting to build quite nicely. Uh, they talk about two teams, maybe three teams potentially coming into the eight and two yep. or three coming out of the eight. You'd have to say at this stage, Geelong would be one of those teams that are just out of the eight at the moment who will probably, probably be in. in. Exactly. All right, another one that's going to be intriguing to watch, Richmond v. the Gold Coast Suns. Purely because it's in Melbourne, I'll go Richmond. But just yeah, one that M. King could be the key there. Um, now sorry, gonna... Ben, ben King. Yep. Um, get Ben and Max mixed up in mm-hmm. that way. Uh, ben, back, King being the kick is five last week. Hopefully that kick starts him. Yep. So that that for me is the game. Oh, while I'll go Richmond, yes. for me that's the major game, which is an iffy. Now I'm going to say something really ridiculously stupid here and I'm, I'm sure everyone's going to laugh along with me and probably yourself. Richmond don't travel well to Marvel. No, that's true. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it's a ridiculous. stupid statistic it and yet it's just down the road. Oh, and Hardwick hasn't helped in that way. I'm sure that's contributed to the yep. mental side of it a bit. Absolutely. And, yeah, look, I'd love to see Gold Coast knock them off, but... 
Yeah, I will go Richmond. Absolutely. I'm probably in the same boat, but there is a couple of matchups that I'm yep. really looking forward to to watching between Gold Coast and Richmond. And then probably the biggest one of Adelaide's uh, last three or four years. I mean, they've played in some very good games, beating Melbourne, was it last year or the year before here at the Adelaide Oval? Yeah, two years uh, ago. And Carlton, obviously, late last year, uh, you know, in the season yeah. where Carlton were probably prime for a uh, finals berth and yes. unfortunately Adelaide came out to play. Uh, Adelaide v Collingwood, uh, insights on this one, mate? It's a huge game. Um, look, Pendlebury out is massive. You doubt that Laird will play. I sincerely hope the news is wrong tonight saying that Schoenberg will come in. I, I think it's it, Matty Crouch, isn't it's it? It's got to be Crouch. Yep. It's a like for like. It would be crazy if it's not. Why bother? To have kept him on the list, you know, might as well have sold him for a burnt pie if you're not going to play him now. Yep. And but they did try. Yeah. I, you know, the word was then that they tried to facilitate a trade. But you've got him on the list. He gets the ball. That's never been the problem. The problem was Laird, Keys, mm-hmm. Crouch together in the midfield was terrible. It was a shocking mix. Yep. With foot, disposal by foot being the major weakness. Yes. Well, Suddenly you've got Rochelle and Rankin to give the ball and Lockie Scholl back in the side yep. and Ke- and uh, Jones on the wing to yes. give the ball to runners. Play Crouch. Use him, use him for that. Because for mine, he's the perfect go-to with Mitchell. Yes. You know, that for me works. Absolutely. Well, I was going to throw a wild one out there. Is it something that he could potentially tag Dacos? don't know if he'd have the... the the pace to go with Dacos. For mine, it's key starts on him. If and if Collingwood throw a curly one and Dacos starts forward, yes. I reckon that's the confusion for Adelaide. If he starts down back, Keys takes him exactly like he did with Saad and try and play it real close and tight. If they start him down the other end, that's when I think Adelaide won't be sure what to do. That's what I'd do if I was Collingwood. Okay. Uh Rochelle Rankin, maybe? That'd be a, a delicious um, head-to-head uh, duel. That's more if he starts down back. I, I think if he starts down forward, I really don't know the way Adelaide will go. Miller? Maybe. Maybe. But is he I'm phys- just spitballing, mate. Is Miller physical enough is a big doubt. He'll get plenty of the ball, but, yeah, can he stay with him? All right, mate, uh, we move on to the uh, SNFL uh, sorry, you're picking Collingwood on that one? Yeah, I am. Uh, I'll go for Collingwood on that one as well. All right, we move on to the SNFL. Um, Anzac round. Uh, the Bulldogs, a bit of an upset over the Crows. Yeah, Adelaide kicked for goal poorly, but uh, to the Bulldogs' credit, credit they yep. made them pay, you know, pinch the game, the last kick of the game. It, Great result for the Dogs. Isn't so, it amazing yeah. in the AFL and the SNFL teams that are just le- letting teams hang in there with yeah. a little bit of inaccurate kicking. It's come back to burnt them almost all the time this year. I think Adelaide's small forwards, it was something like two goals 12 or something between them last week. Yep. So they sort of probably got what they deserved in the end. They'll rectify it. Yeah. Uh, the uh, West Adelaide uh, defeating the Panthers. Now, Big that surprise. was a massive upset. So, yeah, that could really hurt South Adelaide in the end. So... Yeah, I know it's only early on in the season, but um, yeah, you're right. It was a bit of a surprise. I had to refresh the screen. No um, mm. disrespect to West Adelaide uh, to just make sure that it had updated uh, fully. Um, and yeah, definitely. Uh, Sturt defeating Port Adelaide. Yeah, I was there. Um, Sturt were pretty impressed. Just did really what they had to do. Um, they seem to be a force this year. They, they seem to be back to the way Marty Matner had them a few years ago. They're running pretty hard. 
Uh, Fredericks has um, yep, been invigorated them. Pick up for that. They will go in the mid-season draft. You've heard it here on uh, yep on, our, on, on Sportscast po- SA. Yes. Wait to see on that one. Um, Hawthorne. Ah, uh, you say that. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there he's. A, I think he's a genuine chance, and yeah, they were impressive and just ran too hard for Port. Worked harder. And they were the better side. Hey, and uh, we did talk about sort of those top three teams, and we did add Sturt to it after round two, and I think it's justified. They seem to be uh, humming along very, very nicely at the moment. I did catch up with Jamie McPhee, former Australian under-19 cricket captain. I went to school with him, and mm-hmm. uh, he was well and truly on top for the three votes for best on in the bar at uh, Unley after the game. Uh, the new facility there? Very impressive. Fantastic. It is, yeah. Uh, we're hoping to get a, a little bit yeah. of a live broadcast there at some stage yeah. during the season. Maybe, maybe we'll get them towards the end of the final, uh, towards the end of the minor round, yeah, leading no. into the finals, because I think they're going to be there and thereabouts. Very impressive. All right, uh, Glenelg uh, beating Woodville West Torrance. Yeah, they were good. That was yeah. a, a little surprise. I mean, yeah, we we sort of think the Eagles are going to be around the mark too, and Glenelg had been a little bit slow to get going, but Glenelg were bang. good. They were very good. They ran hard. Big, good sized crowd. Um, they declared four thousand six hundred. I, I, I admit, I do think there might have been a bit of a uh, bit of gravy on top, because <laughs> I reckon if there was four six there, or well, there was twenty thousand at Nord on get on the two gathering, yep. gather around. But but it still was a really good absolutely. Atmosphere. And and that um, was on a Monday night too. Yeah. So you know you got the AFL on a Monday night. Uh, obviously the holiday on the Tuesday. A it lot was of a different took, way to do it. Yeah, but. I, it worked. Full credit to Glenelg. They took a risk and it worked. Yep. So well, and I did speak to the people in the bar, the couple of ladies in the bar, and they said they'd been r- a lot busier yep. than a normal day game. Okay. So well done, well, Glenelg. well done to Glenelg. Um, obviously, with the uh, and and I get to the next round, Nord v North on Anzac Day. Um, who takes that time slot on a Monday night? Where where else would it work if say Glenelg um, did make a grand final? Yeah, I'm not sure. I will be honest. The lights at Glenelg aren't good enough. I mm-hmm. don't agree. I don't. I think there's only one gra- ground where they can be playing night games yep. at the moment. It's Nord. Yep. Centrals are being done up at the moment. Yep. So let's wait and see on that one. Mm-hmm. But I will say at both uh, Woodville, Woodville Oval, Woodville West Torrance yes. ground, Glenelg. Richmond's nowhere near good enough. Believe yep. me, there's more light in this room at the moment. Okay. Than, wow. Uh, Richmond. Um, big... Yeah, and. A, Glenelg supporters we were chatting about, and they said, "Yeah, it's just way too dark on that dark, on that far side. Mm-hmm. Like you could have you could have um, murdered someone in that near the pocket, and you wouldn't have got caught." Yep. So, yep. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, obviously, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see whether the, the SNFL are keen to keep that time slot. Hence the reason why I sort of posed the question that Glenelg want to own it, I suppose, at the moment. But if they do make a grand final, who's the logical? Expl- let's let's just say too that gather round being. Uh, Successfully, for that we have now have the next three years yes. of that, have fantastic by Peter Malinowskis and the South Australian government. Let's just say that a couple of the clubs we may have just mentioned them, maybe on the gravy train of that, trying to get in for light yep. improvements. Absolutely, let's just, and, and let's just say that's part of it. Remember, at the end of the day, that benefits the SNFL, and yes. and. Really, that's where where our heart is lying. We yes. we love the AFL, but we absolutely adore the SNFL and what it does, and and uh, and everything that goes on with the SNFL. All right, we get to the Nord North game on Tuesday, mate. North just way too good. Look, I will be honest on a personal side of things. Congratulate Liam Robinson, so um, son of one of my best mates in Mark, and Nord team manager made his debut. Yes, 
did kick a goal. Let's just say the scoreboard may have been a tad loud at that stage, yes. even though Nord were getting thrashed. Yep. So, yeah, really excited for Liam and that. Go right back to, you know, knowing before he was born, obviously, and that mm-hmm. side of things. Uh, look, at the moment, I will say as a Nord supporter, it's just made me appreciate last year's premiership more. Yep. We were nowhere near the best side. You know, were we third, fourth, fourth, fifth best side? Semantics. Yes. I just think more credit that the that they won a flag from there with nothing. And look, just with guys who really got the 11 out of 10 out of themselves with yep. that. And it's very rarely you get so many do that and to grab a premiership from there. Look, it's disappointing at the moment, but I'm circumspect about I'm reflective of that. Mm-hmm. And look, I well, will say too, I was going to bring this up later, but we might as well go with it now as well. Matty Nunn has put his hand up admitting he's having mental health problems, which I think is great. Yes. It's a step forward. And so Jacob Kennelly and, and Matty are going to share the captaincy. Great to hear a male admit they're having problems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that's a subject which eats away at me and always will. Yep. I've only got one male member of my wedding party left, so it is, you know, it's pretty close to the bone. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think Matty Nunn will, will encompass that a little bit again later on. Yep. It's just for mine. That's the more thing. And just admit, hey, yeah, we're struggling, Nord. But and look, there are more important things in life. We will yeah. come back to that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Nord's list obviously turned over a little bit in the last twelve months. Uh, like you said, pinched one when we weren't technically the best side out there, but we we played the best final series that we I can. Will say, it has happened before. Yes, but I will say some of the new guys uh, have not adapted to the system. Mm-hmm. Whether they've practiced it, Nord, very much a structured game plan. That's twig strength. Yes. Guys going to the right spot. And last year, there was a game at Nord. I knew the opposition wasn't going to score. I just looked and everyone was in the right spot. Yep. That's not happening at the yep. moment. So, Is that a case? We talked about Sturt, how Sturt are humming along a little bit. Marty Matner had to um, rejig things over the last 12 months. And then this year, uh, the majority of the players that he had last year obviously still... Uh, involved this year and now are starting to understand his structures a lot more and now they're reaping the benefits from it. Yeah, possibly. It's, I think yeah. it seems to be in that same yeah. uh, vein at the moment. Uh, yes, absolutely disappointed that Norwood uh, didn't get the chocolates there on but North Anzac Day. Wait, but North, North, were North were very, were very good. good. That's exactly yeah. right. And, so well uh, under North Adelaide. And, and North Adelaide really, at, you know, part of our pre-season sort of predictions, we sort of thought that they yeah, were going to be up and about again, and they are. And yeah, well they're, they're playing really, really well at the moment. Uh, look, I think, um, again, if we're – sort of power ranking or seeding these guys, it's probably still uh, North Adelaide, Sturt and um, and the Woodville West Torrens. And Glenelg, yeah. And Glenelg thrown in there with the Panthers a little bit. Yeah. So Central's, it's, it's yeah. pretty open and, and yeah. Central's getting a good win and then um, West Adelaide getting a really yeah. good win. So, look, it's a pretty good competition and there's no easy games. That's what it really was get, what and it gets down to. The crowds are the best they've been for the first three rounds in seven years, so that's a good result. So Congratulations to the SNFL. It looks like the structure's right and... The uh, gather-round buyers obviously helped as well. All right, we'll take a quick break, mate. When we come back, we will uh, have a look at the soccer, the SNFLW and the netball. Yep. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. 
We continue on with the soccer. Adelaide United, another big opportunity um, last week, uh, drawing four all with Perth Glory, which was insane. And obviously a goal uh, almost at the end there to tie it. Um, final Final round game tonight, actually, against Central Coast Mariners at home. And crazy. I think there was three goals in extra time and the goal to equalise was in the 98th minute or something. So Yeah, 97th yeah. and a three-quarter minute or something yeah. ridiculous like that. Um, obviously, very, very good luck to the Adelaide United. Um, hopefully, we're cheering them on from second spot here next week. Yeah, we will certainly be following it. All right, mate, we'll move on to the SNFLW. Uh, the league side of it is just start, starting to take shape. Uh, some results from round number eight. Uh, South Adelaide defeating West Adelaide 45-7. to Yeah, South Adelaide are pretty strong. Um, they also won the Development League. I was there for yes. there at the game. Congratulations to the Panthers. Griff and his daughter playing and that and it was my most uh, the world's changing. She breastfed the baby on North Oval in the centre square out with holding the Premiership Cup. It was superb. It wow! Was, it was definitely the Jamie was proving that uh, she was definitely John Griffin's daughter. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, sure, not Peter Griffin. No, no. Griff <laughs> Griff listens to our podcast. Uh, so. Welcome, mate. Um, absolutely fantastic. Well, that's um, something that I wouldn't have heard of happening uh, at an SNFL ground before. Maybe a, a world first. Uh, there you go. Um, congratulations to South Adelaide. I say too, South Adelaide people were well and truly pointing out that I was the Nord person out there, and I may have been copping a fair bit. Uh, hey, I just grinned and copped it. All's, we lost. All's fair in love yep. and war. Yep. Um, isn't it great that the SNFL is bringing a, a new level of uh, supporter to the to the game? And how good is it that the, the SNFL Women's Rounds Development League and the league itself uh, are, are, are getting supported and, and really going well? Yeah, there, they have developed a bit of a core supporter base and there was quite a good crowd at Nord because, as I said, yep. I commentated the Nord-North game, mm-hmm. which North were just a little bit too good. Yes. Um, it's probably... And that North, leads us in that uh, Nord have lost to North Adelaide by a combined of four points over two games. Nord's combined um, losing margin of their four games they've lost is, is 11 points. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, obviously North Adelaide defeating Nord 45-43. Uh, to 43. Uh, The Eagles defeating Glenelg 45-12. to 12. Which was a good result for Nord, I may add. Absolutely. And uh, to finish us out was uh, Central's having a pretty good weekend all round, defeating Sturt. Yeah, Ben Hunt. Uh, congratulations, Rex. So the, uh, the dog's on the rise there, and they're, they're certainly around the mark. They are. All right, we move on to round nine, mate. Uh, Sturt v Nord. At Unley? I did notice looking that uh, Rashid is out, is a big out for the Blues. I did have a quick glimpse there. So Huge. because of that, I'll go, I'll go for the legs. Fantastic. Uh, yes, I reckon I'll go for the legs there as well, but I think it'll be a tight, tough tussle be. out at Unley Oval. And full credit to Sturt. They're trying a triple header tomorrow uh, with I their reserve. I think they did that. that just before the pandemic yeah, so a couple of times and yeah. it worked really, really well, yeah. uh, utilising their resources that are already there for the uh, league and the reserves game. Yep. Uh, the Tigers, Glenelg v the Panthers. At the moment, you'll go the Panthers. Yep. Glenelg, probably those injuries early on I is think, just starting to catch up I with them a little bit. Have, injuries have caught up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Eagles v West Adelaide. I'll go the Eagles. I'll go the Eagles as well. And North Adelaide v the Bulldogs out at uh, uh, Exconvenience Oval at Elizabeth. Big game. Huge game. It's a huge game. Uh, 
Look, I'll go. I'll go the dogs. Dogs at home. I reckon yeah. uh, two in a row. Um, they're uh, starting to hit their form quite late in the season. All right, mate, uh, we'll keep an eye on that leading up to the finals over the next couple of weeks. But we move on to Nepal. Uh, the Thunderbirds, they're lighting it up at the moment. Yeah, and fantastic too. Sell-out crowds and there's now um, negotiations have started and they may go to the Entertainment Centre because they're selling out the Net- Netball SA Stadium mm-hmm. so consistently. Yep. So fantastic there. And also congratulations to Matilda Garrett in uh, from the Thunderbirds being included in the Diamond Squad. Yes. Uh, they quick grabbed her at work because uh, there was like 20-odd missed calls on her phone. So there was a bit of a panic that something may have gone wrong. Yes. But it was uh, good news being delivered. So, yeah. Fantastic. Um, great to see the Thunderbirds on the rise again and uh, and selling out stadiums yeah. is, is fantastic. It, great news. The, the appetite for supporters in SA at the moment is absolutely unbelievable. It's fantastic. Um, you know, obviously we had the gather round, plenty of people there. We had Live Golf, plenty of people there. Um, we've got Tasting Australia at the moment. We've got the the uh, netball going uh, absolutely bananas. And in the basketball, just oh, I haven't got this on the run sheet, but uh, the Adelaide 36ers have regained the uh, services of a, a player who'd been here during the pandemic as well. So, you know, they're on the rise as well. Yeah, Humphreys. Humphreys, yeah. that's correct. Yeah, yes. Humphrey B. Bear. Yes. So, um, yeah, no, it's going it's, – it's sports on fire here at the moment and, yeah. It's the centre of Australia as far as sports go. And we're the sports capital. We are the sports the capital. All right, mate, we'll take a quick break. And when we come back after the break, we've got a special guest. He's a great man, a man I admire massively, one of the all-time greats, Michael Kingo-Taylor. Excellent. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Past players, past legends, past legends. Absolute privilege to welcome aboard one of my favourite ever footballers. Uh, An absolute Nord royalty, Michael Taylor, six-time best and fairest, six other seasons in the top in the top three. Twice runner-up the Copeland, member of the Nord, obviously Team of the Century, uh, Nord Hall of Fame and AFL Hall of Fame. Welcome aboard, Kingo. Yeah, howdy, Malcolm. How are you, Peter? Thank you for joining us, mate. Uh, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, where did you start your junior footy, mate? Yeah, it's way back a little place called Reedy Creek, which is in between, uh, down the southeast, it's in between Lucendale and Kingston. Uh, came off a property down there and... Uh, Played at uh, Kingston Colts and uh, played a few senior games at a very young age, and uh, and then we, of course, in that that era, we, uh, you know, the girls played netball and the boys played footy, and was always, you know, looking forward to the weekend as kids to play sports. So, and we travel all through uh, the southeast playing playing footy and netball. So, um, that's where it all started. Yeah. It's a big thing out in the country there that the uh, netball and the footy clubs are generally uh, interrelated and uh, and support each other through thick and thin. Absolutely, and it's the family day. Like we'd go, uh, you know, it wasn't unusual, for, you know, for me to get up at five o'clock in the morning to go to Eden Hope, which is a few hours away, to play junior Colts, and you'd stay the whole day as a family, and uh, we'd just make a wonderful day of it, and we'd watch all the footy and watch the girls play netball, and it was. Uh, 
you know, it's just one of those things that uh, the family would always talk about. You know, can't wait for next Saturday. Was, Here we it, come. So. Was fabulous Phil around? Yeah, yes, he Isn't was. It? He yeah. was playing for Eaton Hope. Yeah, he was standing on heads all the time. He was, yeah. he was even like he was playing senior footy at that stage. And I remember seeing him a few times um, uh, just watching who's this, you know, bloke. I didn't know who he was. And uh, he was uh, an amazing player even back then. Yep. And then, so obviously a few clubs are after you, but the great man in Wally Miller uh, yep. convincing your mum and dad that you would get supported down here in Carmel Court and lining up a job yep. at Metro Meets for you right. and that. So go from there. Go on with there, King. Yeah, well, certainly just before that, I, I got a letter and I was 13 from Bob McLean from Port Adelaide Footy Club to go uh, and play for them, but... There was no zones in those days, so it was open slather. So you could, you know, clubs could come down yep. and get anyone. And and mum and dad said I was just way, way too young, which I was. I was only thirteen, and you know, and not too often did we go to the city. Uh, we never, you know, ventured past Kingston very often. Um, but certainly, uh, the great Wally Miller come into our lives, and mum and dad met. We drove down and uh, met Wally, and. Uh, and driving back home, mum was convinced that was the club I had to go to. So uh, my mother was the boss. <laughs> so yeah. I looked, I looked up to her immensely, and uh, uh, certainly uh, how Wally explained it to mum and dad how they'd look after me. I was only fifteen, I think, at the time, and how uh, Mrs. Carmen was the the house mother at Carmel Court, and so she was a good country lady, and mum could relate to that, and. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we had sixteen players into Carmel Court yeah. uh, from all all over South Australia. So, so uh, it was yep. So, just explain Carmel Court to, for our listeners. Um, obviously, we've had a few guests talk about Carmel Court, but uh, obviously, you lived and breathed it. So, yeah, just run yep. us through how that all worked, mate. And if only those walls well, could, could talk. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, virtually it was sixteen. 16 uh, players at, at, at a house, which was a bit like, a, I suppose, a motel in a way, and uh, they, they looked after us and fed us and we did what we had to do and uh, kids would go to school or I'd worked. So at Metro Meet, as Malcolm said, which uh, was happened to be uh, my uh, – the coach, uh, Malcolm Smith, got me a job there, which I, I really enjoyed because I was from the country. Um, so – um, yeah, so, so from that point of view, everyone got on well together. Um, out of the Carmel Court, I think there was something like 20 odd premierships, senior premierships, yeah. I think. It, and I think you, if you counted all the junior premierships, it'd nearly triple that, I think. So, um, and of course, the great man John Wynn, I met him for the first time and he changed my, he changed my life in, uh, in many ways, and still does today. He, he's just a wonderful mentor to me and, and always has been, always will be. And, uh, We'd always look up to him, and um, he certainly showed us, you know, about sport in general, you know, what we had to do and how we had to, you know, get ourselves ready for it. And uh, we all got on well together. Never saw one fight there. Um, we live very close to Kenzie Oval, so yes. um, and Sir Donald Bradman lived down the road on a, a few streets away. So it was Holden quite Street. funny. Yep. Time. Yeah. So, uh, but, but certainly um, that was a wonderful thing for the club um their thought process how to do it and we had to get it together and it was whoever you know the whole club it was just the amount of players have got out of that carmel court was incredible now with with that king i actually scored for kenzie as a kid back then yep. and yeah. phil carmen 
Robert Oti and Neil Craig would train up on the hockey oval uh, yep. up there, and it was just incredible to watch these two super athletes and Robert yes. Oti pushing himself to compete. And there'd be yes. a few more people around when Roscoe, when Ross Dillon was playing cricket for Kenzie, a few more of you guys would come up. But yep. it's something that I've never forgotten watching yeah. Phil Carmen and Neil Craig. Yeah, and Phil was a magnificent athlete. I used to go running with Phil a fair bit, and I, I, I couldn't keep up with him. And he was just a natural uh, runner. He just was. Um, you know, halfway through a 5K run, he'd be yapping to you, talking to you. And we were trying to keep our breath. Like it was just, but 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 the whole setup there was just, it was just. I know you can say footy, 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 but it was, it was more than that. It was it was life experience. You felt comfortable with with the with the setup, and you felt welcome at all the times. And every, as I said, everyone got on so well together. And, and as you said, um, King, King, as you said there with John, when people out there, you know, especially from the outside, only saw Winnie the tough, gruff. Yeah, yeah, player yeah. on the ground on that. Just yeah. have no idea the compassion of the guy and that I, I can John Wynn and Ian, Ch- Ian Chapel are just so similar in a lot of ways yeah. and they're still very much the captain leader of that whole era of both Ian with cricket and Winnie still he knows everything, still from WA, what's going on. You know, yeah. you all of a sudden you'll get a message or something from two eight just checking up on someone and yeah, he's He's just got a heart of gold too, Winnie, and people just don't realise that either. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting, Malcolm, to say that when I was 15 and, you know, you, you're still trying to find your way and you're playing, you know, junior Colts at Nord, and, and he just said one one thing I always remember. He said, listen, son, he said, if you ever play league footy, I'll look after you. Yeah. And, you know, to his word, he looked after me yeah. for three or four years until I you know, started to, you know, build my strength and my running power and, and get and play senior footy every week, and I could never forget that what he told me, and he did. He he just looked after me. And of course, you did play an under nineteens premiership where we uh, we uh, absolutely annihilated Port Adelaide, winning by a point. <laughs> yeah, that that was interesting because out of that uh, the seventeens the, the previous year, we, I think we lost our 11, first nine games, I think, under Mal Smith, and then we won our next eleven. And you could see something special there, and. Yep. A lot, of the, a lot of those kids that played in that team went to uh, Bob Farnham and um, we happened to play Port at Adelaide Oval and we actually won by a point. So it was just, I could still remember it like it's yesterday and uh, it was just a wonderful feeling. And that was a, the ceiling for many, you know, many things to happen, what's going to happen in the next few years. So, and we were blessed at Nor with wonderful junior coaches, you know, their setups and how they coached us and got us ready for, to, to go to the next level. Did you have some Port Adelaide guys in that Colts uh, premiership there that you did just get over the line with? Did did you end up playing against them a little bit later on in league footy as well? Uh, there wasn't too many. There's more Norwood, I think. Um, I played on Russell Ebert's brother, Brett Ebert, um, yep. but he was their captain. I think I remember he's. I didn't say much on the field at that age, and I remember he's coming. Said, "I'm going to kill you today." I said, "Fair enough. Do what you want," but certainly. Um, the, the, uh, he's about the only one I can remember that went on to play league footy, I reckon. I, I can't remember too many others. There could have been a few, but Norwood had a lot that went out of that premiership team into into play league footy. Uh, your debut, Kingo, I'm, I admit. I'm trying to remember your – go through your de- debut. Uh, uh, it was against 70, Port Adelaide. 
Yeah, it was against Port Adelaide. It's interesting, but the first game was against Port Adelaide in 72, and the last game was against Port Adelaide yeah. as well. So um, I think I played the 200th against Port as well. So there's a bit of a connection there, isn't it? So um, We love our Port Adelaide it. listeners. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're, they're a very good club. They so. are. Uh, but, but certainly uh, the rivalry there between Port and Nord, of course, is huge. It's like, fantastic. You know, it's like Collingwood Carlton, really. So, but certainly, uh, yeah, 72, that's, that's when I started against Port, um, Port Adelaide. Yep. How many games did you play in that first year that you debuted, that you, if you can remember? I reckon I, played, I reckon I played most of the season. I played a few seconds games, I think. Yeah. I reckon yep. I played most senior games, I think. Yeah, there was uh, might have been four or five seconds and the rest seniors. Yep. Now, go through, Righto Kingo, the, the great day in 75, so we win our yeah. first premierships in 25 years, but a certain bit of frustration in, an understandable frustration, King. I think you, you hurt your ankle pretty early. You went from the back pocket to half-forward line, swap with Mocker Dunstan and sort of limp your way through. I think yeah. you had about eight, eight injections trying to get you through. So yep. we'd won, but there was... A bit of mixed feelings there. A little, you know, you obviously pumped oh, that we really. won. Was, not not pretty, mixed feelings. That's yeah, probably not the nah, right word. Nah. But a bit of frustration that you weren't able to show your whole talent on. Yeah, the I, big was, day. I was on. Yeah, I was on one leg for yeah. you know, three and a half quarters. So, uh, oh, no, I was, I was appreciative of Bob keeping me on. Um, he could see I was in trouble, and I was I was in trouble um, big time, and. Uh, so, but certainly he he uh, had the wisdom to keep me on. I, I still contributed, I thought. Yes. So, um, but I didn't play. I didn't. I couldn't play at my best. I just couldn't. I was I was going on about as as a V eight would go. I was going on about three cylinders, I think. So, start, had um, a good start to the second quarter. You combined with Tubby a couple of times, and yeah, and I set a few goals up. I missed yeah. two, I think, two goals, or whatever. I remember so, but certainly it's very windy day, but. Um, no, I was appreciative of Bob just leaving me on because I thought I'd, I'd be coming off and uh, Brian Sando gave me some help. Yes. Then at 76, 77, we probably, we probably underachieved a little bit. But yep. Let's go through. 78, it's, our, it's Nord Centenary year. Mm-hmm. Recruit yep. heavily. Um, the Argy Bargy and finally getting Brian Adamson over the line. Uh, and that now I will be honest uh, – one of our previous guests has already alluded about the day before. Woody did. Uh, we did talk a little bit about the day before. Now you probably didn't get treated with the respect you deserved the day before. And may have just lit a little bit more of a fire in you, King. Eh? Oh, I think so. I won't mention the person's name, but I had to travel a fair way to do a promo, and uh, which I felt uh, the person wouldn't come halfway to meet me and. And then I got to the place and I had to walk 4K to find him. So, um, And then the uh, photographer took the picture. It was on the front page of the news the next yes. day. And and I just felt there might be some karma here in this. So uh, and it's, at the end of the day, there was. So, yes. uh, but, but I don't hold any grudges with that. But at the time, I wasn't all that pleased with it. But but you've got to do what you've got to do to promote the game. And uh, yeah. I, I think you'd, you'd go anywhere to promote it. Um, but I just thought it was day before the game was a bit off. Um, but certainly at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we had that wonderful win. Obviously, it was Nord's centenary year. It was actually the year of my birth. So I'm just wondering whether... <laughs> <laughs> wish, it, wish it was the year of mine. <laughs> 
Um, Doesn't go, yeah. <laughs> I'm just just wondering if um, any celebrations, obviously during the season, were front front of mind for you guys that, that it was the the centenary year. Oh uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. I think the uh, that that whole year was pretty special. Um, I think that yeah, we weren't favourites at all, but certainly at the end of the day, it's on the day, isn't it? You oh, know? and a fantastic um, last quarter. Uh, yeah. Well, it's just the best. It's the best footy I've seen in fifteen minutes ever. You know, it was just uh, it was just humming out of there and yeah. Curbs and and you know, and Craigie and Winnie and you know it was just it was a combination of wow, this is what what's this? It was just one out of the box, and uh, from that point of view, I think we you know still had ten minutes to go when we hit the front, so we had to hang on there. Yeah, it was and quite look, crazy. If anything, we hit the front too early. So. Yes, we did. Absolutely. There was still eight or nine minutes to go. Now, this, this that, is probably something that, I've never told you, King A, too, that mm. I went to Nord High. Nord High, of all schools, having a bloody school camp on grand yeah. final day. You, you can imagine my right. thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've really got over that too, pig's ass. So, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. It's, a bit, it's a bit rough. Yes. But, yeah, and it was just, you know, to get up and both reserves and league league winning as well, so it was just uh, obviously a really special time. You know, Winnie saying hello to Jack in the box, and yeah, just uh, a great result. Yeah, it was, and they look, they kicked a lot of points, but you know, you can kick as many points as you like, but you got to kick goals, don't you? So, but at the end of the day, you can rule what happened in the first quarter, but at the end of the day, if you're in front, you're the winners, and it was it was a game where you know they came in right. You couldn't back them, really, honestly. Yeah. And uh, they'd only lost one game for the year against Westies. So, and uh, we'd played them twice and hadn't beaten them. So, but they, they had star-studded players everywhere, and but we just played as a team and just just put things together and and never gave up. And that's the whole idea about you know sport: never ever give up, ever ever. And know? I will um, say, uh, along with we'll get to eighty later, but I'm, I, if. Uh... There's a certain person we're speaking to at the moment. It's pretty unlucky that the Jack Odie medal wasn't around then because I've got no doubt whatsoever that Michael Taylor would be in possession of two of them. So, yeah. Um, it's interesting. We talked a little bit earlier on, actually, in our podcast, that teams are uh, letting teams uh, hang in there a little bit longer with some inaccurate kicking. And it yes. uh, doesn't matter when it is, it's always going to come back to, to burn you a little bit. Oh, absolutely. It's a massive turnover, isn't it, when you think about it? So virtually kick a point, you give the opposition a kick out. Mm. So, you know, it just is. It's a double whammy. So from that point of view, and you, you can't – you just can't miss from it close in. You just can't. It's just uh, the backmen and the on-ballers work so hard to get the ball up there. And yep. the reason you play up forward is kick goals. Simple as that. You know, you're not you're not there to stop the ball. You're there to win the ball and, and put six points on them. And, and that's right. It's You've seen so many – Matches that are lost by too many points, for sure. And of course, while then after that, the for mine the forgotten premiership a little bit amongst Nord people is, was the night final uh, win, which was a great game against Perth, where David Armour yes. played yeah. played against us, and that and getting up by eight points in Trevor Sapple's finest hour. That I reckon that's forgotten a little bit. That flag, flag. Yeah, I think it's, just, a couple, it's a huge yeah, achievement. Yeah. Yeah, it is a huge. There's a couple of games that we beat Carlton yes. that, through that period as well easily, and I know they had a few out, but you know, uh, for them to come over here and we we beat them easily, and and for that that uh, Art of the Cup win, uh, that's huge when you think about it um, from the point of view that uh, you know we had to do qualifications all the way through, 
and that was a great game. Um, and there was, if you look at their team, a lot of those guys that played in their team, uh, three or four of them played uh, in the VFL AFL. So, oh, Glenn Denning, um, Kelly, yeah, check Melrose. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And they were they were very good players in, in the in the in the AFL and the VFL, weren't they? Extremely oh, good players. Very much so. Yeah, no, that was that was a ripper win that one. Yep. Sticking the knife in, I'm a little bit of a Carlton <laughs> supporter there. Uh, yes, we weren't too good. We did talk about it on uh, one of our other podcasts with, with a special guest, yes, uh, about yeah. how the change of numbers totally confused them and it worked to your advantage. Um, mate, uh, coaches during your time at Norwood, uh, let's just go through a couple of them that you uh, yeah. that you had. Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. I, I think you go way back. Mal Smith was a ripper, uh, Bob Farnham, of course. He, when he finished coaching, he, he got a lot of premierships in the under-19s and, and virtually had a pathway for the kids to play league footy. And I think Malcolm had something like, you know, 15 or 20 players that went on to play league footy at, at, at length. Uh, Bob Farnham had more than that. Then Bob went on to be chairman selectors. Selectors, and, yeah. And, and he certainly uh, was the face of Norwood for many, many, many years. And, of course, Robert Odie, he was wonderful coach on school and school level and uh, his thought process as a kid it just suited me down to the ground and what he taught me. Um, and then we had Bob Hammond, who uh, was pretty tough. Um, of course, he was a you know, ex-full back player and uh, had success at North Adelaide as a captain and he was a leader like you've never seen. And uh, he was a wonderful coach, Bob. He only coaches for six years, so... You know, it's not long. Um, yeah. And he, t- he took us to two premierships, and we always played finals with Bob. And and, um, and then, of course, Neil Barn uh, speaks for himself. Um, he's uh, an, an incredible person, and he was a very good coach. So I was, and we were, I should say we, just not me, but we were very fortunate to have s- such wonderful coaches at the time and uh, how they coached us and mentored us. It was just uh, a wonderful era. Then 1980, so... When Barmy arrives, we started slowly, you know, as yep. Barmy said himself, you know, it had Royce Hart, Royce Hart at Richmond, get it and kick it long and kick it to Roy, Royce. And uh, we had to realise that, no, had to be involved a bit. And so Stazza, Bruce Winter, some of the more senior players got really involved there in changing yep. us up. And then we came home with an absolute train in the 80 final series. You know, yes. Go back to that. and We did go from strength to strength in that final series. Yeah, we did. I think you, uh, poor old Barmy, it, uh, a few players had, had retired and they, they went to other clubs or, or, or what, but they left the club. He, there was a lot of players that left uh, after the end of Bob Hammond's tender and uh, he had to rebuild. And you talk about rebuilds, well, he, he rebuilt, rebuilt that in, you know, one pre-season. So, and of course, um, we started slow and then, a lot of people thought we wouldn't even play finals, and then we came home with a, you know, just just kept winning and winning and winning, and we came from fifth that year, and um, we won um, the next three finals pretty well, and then uh, come up against Port, who I believe, in even talking to Russell Ebert about it, that is the best side they've ever had. Yeah, um, that's what I thought had. as well. And I think out, out of their team, I think there was nine or ten state players in it. Yeah. Um, with Greg Phillips and, you know, Brian Evans, Cunningham. Cunning, yeah, Cunningham, yeah, Kale, and, and, yeah, Tony Giles. Kale, Tony Giles. So I think there's 10 or 11, I think, that I played state footy that year with. So, um, and I suppose for us to get – but once you get to the big dance, you, you've got to produce, and uh, we didn't quite have, an, have enough juice left in us. 
I will say out of that, you played one of the great individual games. As Russell mm-hmm. Ebert said, his exact words were one night at a fundraising night for a labor charity talking to him. Um, biggest pants down job I copped in my life from King <laughs> that day. It was Russell's well, exact that, words. Um, well, that's pretty That's pretty cool coming from that great yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I do remember that night. So I I was actually only 17 um, on that, but I spent a fair bit of that night with you, King O, and you, you kept blaming yourself for uh, the handball Kim Kinnear intercepted and that when we were run on in the last quarter and very nearly ran over him. And I think I actually went, Jesus, King O, you've absolutely annihilated Russell Ebert. You're best on ground by the length of Morfittville <laughs> straight and you're still bloody blaming yourself. Have another beer, oh, to, to a degree, because I had two options that I should have done the first option, and I, to this day, I do do regret uh, that I didn't find the first option. Um, I should have found Turbs on the left, and I didn't. I tried to go over the top uh, into space yeah. to someone to someone Danny else. Jenkins, and, yeah, yeah, and and I just thought, you know, there was space there, and Turbs might have ran into a brick wall, but it was just the, the vision I had was. Uh, and just, he only got a fingertip to it, but he yes. did pretty well. And yeah. uh, they didn't get a goal out of it, but stopped the momentum. Mm. That was that was the most in. You know, we went forward two or three times after that, but yeah. it just it just stopped our momentum. And I I just felt that, as you know, ball sports is always momentum, and uh, we had them on. They were they were crapping themselves. I'm telling you out there, yeah. um, because I just thought they'd turn up and win, um, especially us coming off you know three hard finals, and they'd. One the second semi had a rest. Um, that's the main thing I was disappointed in myself because if I did that again, which I, I can't, but I'd always find the other option to Turbs. I just would, you know. Yeah, well, if Hugo, would. if Hugo hadn't had the work accident as well, yeah, there's a few We're pretty unlucky yeah. on a few things. Mocker and we, and, gets and caught have, holding the ball yeah. by Abernethy where he should yeah, have kicked it right. to Black yeah. Duck. So yeah, and we did, and we didn't have Neil Button either. So yes. you know, he'd, he'd hurt his ankle, and he he he, he was a gun ruckman for us. Yeah. So, you know, big finals uh, but we, we, Yeah, exactly. It's so true, and he's just a you know, rocket Travolta. He is good when he played. You could just rely on him. Yeah. So eighty-one, you decide. You know, Collingwood have chat. You've been chased. For a long time, and you yep. finally take the trip over to the border, and yeah, you experience it at Collingwood too, where yeah, twice yeah, runner-up yeah. in the Copeland, I may mm. add, Pete and mm. uh, illustrious yeah, Tony that. Tony Shaw mm. does make the point that he believes that Michael should have won both years. So I think that's a fair rap as well. Well, I was, I was very apprehensive. With it. I was twenty-seven years of age, so I was pretty apprehensive to uh, to go. Um, and I'd already been, you know, uh, Hawthorne had been after me, Carlton had been after me, and then Collingwood for the last two or three years of, the, that, of, of my career at Norwood. So the last, those three years, and um, and I just thought I was just too old. And I spoke to Barmy about it, and he, he just, he didn't want to lose me, but but certainly speaking to Neil just coming out of the, the VFL at the time. And, uh, and of course, he'd been coached by Tommy, Tommy Hafey, and he just believed that, you know, uh, my game, Tommy would would suit Tommy's yep. Yep, that's uh, coach, coaching coaching style and and toing and froming and toing and froming and I was I was very up up, up front with Nord all the way through because yep. they you know just the most fantastic club to me and still are today so and they uh, spoke to Wally and uh, we come to an arrangement and um, I was only going to go for one year uh, I just loved it over there and 
I learnt so much, uh, even though I was 27, I felt like I was 18 again. And, um, yeah, and we played in, you know, in the grand final the first year and we lost uh, to Carlton, which is disappointing. But, but um, just going over that massive big club and the, the people there and you know, being coached by Tom Hafey was just a dream, a total dream. Yeah. We got one back, Carlton got one back, you little beauty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, uh, what was it like playing at Victoria Park? Uh, it was all right for me. I don't know the opposition. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was uh, – no, we, we were uh, – we, we're like heroes to them, honestly. Like you go to uh, – you play on a Saturday at the Victoria Park and, you know, they, certainly the support you get, you, it's an amazing support base they've got. And uh, you know, even my first year over there, we did a pre-season at Stall and – they had to close the gates at uh, 11 o'clock in the day because they couldn't put any more people in just in a trial game. So, wow. um, and, and if you make finals uh, through that era, uh, of course, on a Thursday night training for a, a final, there'd be thousands and thousands of people there watching your training. So, um, no, I, I certainly got great memories of it, um, you know, as, as a player. That, uh, and even, you know, we'd, we'd play on a Saturday and, go to rehab on, on a Sunday, we have to, you know, Tommy make us run the streets a bit and there'll be all supporters out there clapping you as you run past their house, you know. So uh, it's just, it's huge. It's just massive, yeah. Amazing how the uh, SNFL clubs and the VFL clubs back in the day were very similar. Yeah, exactly. So true, absolutely. And I, I suppose, in you know, we have got great big support base. You, you go and play a game at Waverley and there's, you know, 90, 94,000 people or, you know, the grand final there was stand, I think that was the uh, 81 was the last year of standing room at the MCG. There's 115,000 people there. So it certainly gives you a buzz. And how long just uh, so staying there and then deciding to come back to Nord? To Nord how- yeah, I, I, I was only going to go for one. I ended up doing four. Um, and then I just felt it was time, uh, young family, um, before the kids started school to come back to Nord. And that was in 85, so, and uh, spoke to Barmy. Barmy kept in contact with me all the way through, yep. and so did Wally, and uh, they'd always give me a buzz or catch up when they went over there, so kept me informed, always keep an eye on what Noor were doing. Um, and uh, so I came back in uh, end of 84, and then, because uh, Jack coached me for two years at Collingwood, so which I enjoyed under John Cale, and uh, we'd just... Played in the preliminary final, 84, which we won't talk about that. Essen flogged us. And yep. we we, um, we beat Carlton the week before, which is great. Um, I'm down at, again. At, at Waverley. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and then uh, Essen went on to win the grand final that year. So um, I think it was the Baby Bombers. I think they, they were, the press were calling them. And then um, come back to an 85, and I was going to finish my career at Nord. And I spent the next three years there playing. Yep. And came back like a world machine, winning the BNF in 86 as well, King A. Yeah, I suppose from that point of view, I, I brought back a bit of knowledge with me and uh, a, bit of, a few smarts and uh, I was getting older, of course. Uh, the body was slowing down a bit, which it does. Um, but, but I enjoyed those three years. Yep. Had, had the uh, competition here in the SNFL changed a lot for your couple of years that you did go over to Victoria? No, pretty similar. It was um, the, the VFL at that stage was a lot quicker, um, and they were very you know um, if you got hit, you got hit pretty hard. But but certainly no, the, the, the SNFL system in those days, the school level was just as easy, just as you know 
equal as the VFL. It just was. Um, but teams just, are, you know, your fitness was a bit different um, uh, back then. So, but, but overall, it, was, uh, uh, it wasn't as, um, from start to finish, uh, you get a lot more tired playing VFL than you would Sandfall. And then getting into the coaching side of things and back to back yeah. to Vic Park, mate. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. I uh, in '87 we played. I think we played Port in a final. And that was my last game. Got, he did a corky, I reckon. I, a massive corky. Macca yeah. gave me this hospital handball, and uh, Darren Smith ran straight through me and collected my thigh. And uh, mate, it bled for about three weeks. Um, so I, I, I didn't play again that year, um, and. Garvey Allen, who I played with at Collingwood, he was a football manager at Collingwood. Yep. He rang me out of the blue and said, him and Lee Matthews were coming over to, to watch Norwood play Port. Can we catch up afterwards? I said, yeah, no problems at all. Just to have a, a quiet ale. And I said, I'll catch at the footy club, which they came there. And uh, then Lee just said to me on the side, I need to chat to you. And he said, I want you to come over and play on the twos and coach. I said, nah, not doing that, mate. No way. Because I played on, I played on Lee a lot in, yep. in the VFL. Yep. Um, every time Conagher played Hawthorne, to virtually match up on him, and uh, he wasn't my favourite player. So, um, and I said, look, mate, I, I played against you, and why would I want to work for you? And uh, anyway, that went on for a few better month, and Gubby kept ringing me, all pestering me all the time, and they put something to me, and I had my own business here in Adelaide, so I, did, I didn't want to really, you know, lose that. So. Had to put things in place for that, and then um, we made the shift over there. And uh, man, did I enjoy that! Wow, I played played in the twos and, and coached, and then I helped Lee in the seniors. So it was a, it was a massive role, um, but I just loved it. Yeah, just loved it. Pete, here's one you don't you won't know about, Pete. Nope. So oh, far away. Yep. So 1990, uh, Collingwood have a, an internal. Now, Michael yeah. was very modest about himself and all that, but I have also spoken to a couple of people who were there, Kingo, oh. that, uh, watching, that you may have given Darren Mullane a bit of a lesson. And Lee Matthews virtually begged you to play in the finals and that, and you went, no, that's not what I came here for. And you very well, if you you could have been a member of the Collingwood 1990 Premiership side. Yeah, we had a trial game midweek, I think, one that 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 year and uh, pants. That's just Darren's uh, nickname. Yep. We played on each other, and I I, I did okay on him, but Lee's <laughs> eyes popped out of his head. Said afterwards to me, I come out of the shower, and well, I think we're picking a team. He said, Well, I'm picking you. I said, No, you're not. So, and that conversation, I I, I put a, a seal on it straight away. I said, Well, just hang on. You brought me over here to coach the twos, teach the kids. And get them ready for senior footy. I said, I'm not here, not here to play senior footy. And um, he wasn't too happy, but certainly at the end of the day, uh, it was the right decision. It just was because I wasn't there to take someone's spot. Just no way. And 1990 grand final night, I may yeah. have deliberately worn to Vic Park, deliberately worn a Nord top, and went and oh, told well. the person on the door that I was Rodney Maynard and I'd signed to play for Collingwood the next year. I got oh. taken straight through to the players only function. I walked up to Ned. We'll leave the language out, but Ned, mate, what the, you know, this is meant the yeah. biggest night of my life and I'm bloody drinking with you. And I yeah. reminded Ned that it was a privilege, you know, but I actually only stayed for a couple. I didn't actually run into you. I just saw Tony Francis very briefly and all that. And yep. 
went out joined my mates being outside. I just did it as a bit of a joke to prove that you could talk bullshit and get in anywhere, Kingo. Yeah. So, well, that's right. Exactly. Bit of fun. Right. That, that, that dorm was pretty dumb, isn't he? So, anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I'll put it on the opposite side. He's, he's a nice person. There you go. So, yeah. Mate, we'll rewind just a little bit. Uh, your state representation. Um, let us... Let us in on some of your state games that you played. Uh, I think I played thirteen. I think um, so. It was it was good. I had Curls as coach and Hayden Buntner's coach and mainly Neil Curley as coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was interesting. Yeah, he could coach. Oh, Curls, yeah, he was uh, he was a ripper to play for. So, but one of the games I do remember we played Western Australia. Western Australia. We hadn't beaten them for sixty odd years. I think it was yeah something years and ridiculous um, time. Yeah, anyway, we flew over there and it was interesting. We trained on the Friday afternoon before the game and Kills just said to us, look, just go out and have a bit of fun and kick the ball on the ground and just muck around and don't think, you know, don't take it too serious and uh, and just from jet lag and, um, you know, so we did that and the, and the press hounded us the next day. These blokes can't play, they're useless, uh, they can't kick, they can't handball, and Genius. yeah, our boys, our boys are going to win easily. Well, bucking me, we beat them. And it was just, it's, it was just fantastic. And to see the, the look on players after the game, and and to see you know the hierarchy so happy because we hadn't won there for over I think it's fifty nine or sixty years, which is a fair time. So, and that was one of the games I do do remember, massive, yeah, just very vividly. Yeah. Who uh, who was a couple of teammates that you just absolutely hated playing against but loved playing with in the state game? Oh, look, I, I, I yeah, I didn't have a love hate relationship with any players. I'm a bit I, I say that quite lo- I say that quite lovingly towards those players, but you know, obviously, there's some players that you just go far out. They they they've played really well against me today, but I can't wait to play with them. Oh, look, I, I think if you look at the top. Top into like Russell Ebert and you know those guys and Brian Cunningham and you know the list goes on. You, you, because they're gun players, so you, you know if you put a, a squad together, the coach really doesn't have to coach. I've, I've coached the state team, and what you're doing is getting this the top notch players in to, to, to play uh, to play footy, and you don't have to tell them too much. Just put them in their right positions, and they know what to do. Um, but I think if you look through. All the all the state teams way back, and mate, they're, they're the, the cream of the cream. They just are, you know. And you can't wait, you know, Baggy and you know, Cornsy, and the list goes on and on and on, you know. So uh, super, you know, it's, it's Peter Carey, and you know, um, so and there's a few players coming in now. But if you look at the duration when you start to finish, you play a lot of games, about seven or eight of them all the time. So they're such good players. So, but certainly, I didn't. Not much love hate relationship with most of them. So, Kingo, and then after after that, so ended ending up back uh, as an assistant coach at Adelaide. The you know, yep, the whole start of the Crows, you know, Cornsy, obviously, and that. But yeah, go through a bit of experiences of that. Yeah, well, that was uh, stub. Uh, Bob Ham was talking me through ninety. Uh, what are you doing next year and all that? I said I don't know yet, and. Um, from that point of view, and uh, I just said, look, I really don't know. And he just said, look, we're putting a side together, and this is where we're at. We've got no coaches yet, and you know. Um, but as time, he said, I'll get back to you because uh, Bob, Bob, Bob was a wonderful, you know, organizer and leader yep. and of men, and 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 he had his own company, of course, and was very successful in that away from footy. So. And he just kept in contact with me. Then they appointed Cornsy. Then Cornsy rang me out of the blue, and I 
is to, uh, we'll come over, fly over, and we'll get together and have a chat and just see how we go. And I, I said, yep, no worries. So I flew over and uh, spent the day with Graham, and we went through everything, uh, what was going to happen and how they're going to set things up. And um, uh, from that point of view, I, I was very impressed what he was telling me. And um, then I went back to Melbourne and, and spoke to my wife and the kids. The kids are, you know, a bit older then, and they uh, they thumbs up and we came back and uh, the Crows were formed uh, in 91. So, and they had a wonderful setup there. They, they, they're, um, they're set up for weights and all other things, weren't too flash, but certainly the way JC had organised it with Cornsey and uh, the crew, it was uh, very professional. And we, I think we had 70 players, I think, uh, yeah. trying, trying. And that was hard work because um, it was getting more, getting to full time then. And uh, I think we're training 13 days out of 14. We're given one day off every fortnight. Uh, so that was generous. And so, yeah, exactly. Well, we had to do that because if you look at the fitness level, we had to get to a certain level. And uh, so then I think that went from 70 to 52, I think. Yep. So yep. Um, from that point of view, and we had restrictions on who we could recruit and all that type of thing. So so we had to make the most of what we had. So, and I think we, uh, you know, that, that season, I think the first game was against Hawthorne and we gave them a bit of a shock. So, sure did. Um, but, but it was hard work because a lot of these guys had never flown to Sydney or Melbourne or, you know, Perth. So, um, if you look at that, uh, you, you're going away, then you're staying at a hotel, and you, you know, you from that you're away from your family and, and your friends and that. So there's an adjustment there to start with. A lot of a lot of the uh, games in Melbourne were played suburban ovals, Moorabbin, yeah, uh, Windy Hill, mm-hmm. Victoria Park. So they've never been there. So we'd always try and get there. You know, the day we flew into Melbourne, we'd try and you know, take the bus out of Tullamarine and always you know, organise to go to an oval um, so the guys get familiar with it. So, um, but certainly, I know the funny story with Graham Allen, I rang Gubby before we played Collingwood, Victoria Park, and I said to Gub, look, we're coming in on Friday morning. Can uh, we just cruise past before we go to the hotel to, to look at the goats? He said, no, you're not coming in. I said, sorry? <laughs> he said, no. He said, no way. He said, no. he said not going to you bees, buddy come in here and look at our oval. I said, well, I said, most of the team, most of the players haven't even seen the place. He said, well, I said, I don't give a hell. You're not coming in. I said, okay. Little did Gubby know, I knew the curator extremely well. So I, <laughs> I rang the curator up and I said, mate, listen, I didn't tell him I spoke to Gubby. And I said, look, we're coming at this time. And he said, um, can you unlock the back gates for me? I wasn't going to go around the front where Gubby works. I said, open the back gates up for me. We'll go in the back street and we'll go in and take the players in. He said, no worries, Mick, I'll do that. I said, what time do you be? I said, oh, about 11.30. So off we go. And Cornsy says to me, you sure you organised? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I told him the story. He said, Gubby might go and lock the gate. I said, Gubby knows nothing about it. So in we go. We've all gone on to Victoria Park and there's Gubby's coming out of his office. Well, is he giving it to me? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You traitor, you. <laughs> It was quite funny. Oh, no, know. that's a great – it's I, worked very yeah, well played, King I, I, Exactly. So um, – but little did Gubby know that I knew the curator quite well. So he organised, and I thanked the curator after. It didn't help us, but certainly uh, – it was at least it was, you know, a bit, a bit of a step forwards for the boys to see the ground. Wasn't the same guy that was on security there to let Malcolm in, was it? <laughs> uh, might have been a cousin, I reckon. <laughs> 
Fair point. Um, obviously, uh, with the formation of the Crows, uh, uh, the, the obvious question is, you know, Michael Ash and, and Gary McIntosh uh, obviously being part of that squad. I'm sure Cornsey would have been hoping that they were going to be part of it. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's it's up to the individual player whether they come or not. Hey, don't worry. Aishi's dark <laughs> that he wasn't a part of the original squad. Aishi didn't get picked. Right. No, Michael's... Oh, Macca, Macca did, yeah. Aishi yeah, Macca, picked, Macca so... wanted to. And I, I, uh, sorry, and I, Macca got, didn't, yeah. didn't want to, yeah. No, no, I don't know why Aishi didn't. So, yeah. but, but but certainly at Macca did for sure, I know that. So, but, but at the end of the day, I suppose, Macca didn't want to come and that, that was his... You know, he's whatever he wanted to do, and that's that's fair enough too. You know, because I think if you go there, you, especially in those early days, the training is extremely hard. It's just really, really hard, and and you, the, these guys are working as well and got young families and all that. So, you know, you you you've got to contribute, and uh, you know, if you don't, well, you know, it's it's if you don't turn up for training and train over thirteen out of fourteen days, you, you you're not going to make it. And, of course, for after the Crows experience, well, the 93 prelim, we won't talk about that. Um, no, no, let's, let's talk about that for no, a second. No, no, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, let us in. Sorry. What happened there? Let, let the listeners know what actually did happen there. Oh, that was just too good. It was, what, we're six up at half time. Seven yeah? up. Seven? seven? Seven up, were we? Yeah, so, yeah, I'll put that against – I don't remember that one too much. <laughs> but I certainly – they just, uh, I think Michael Long come along and a few others, Tim Watson and a few others just just geared up a bit and went to another level and they just, and Jars missed that goal yeah. think, um, yeah. in that quarter and he's, you know, still can't get over that, but certainly uh, can't blame him for that. But, uh, gee whiz, did we play well in the first half? Oh, first half's uh, probably the best footy I've ever seen, I've always seen. Yeah, that. and they got a real shock, I think, from that. But they went in to win the premiership. So, um, yeah, it's one that I, I, I think it was a, if you look back onto it, it was people say things happen for a reason, but I don't believe in that too much. But but that that one did really get away from us. Yeah. That that hurt yeah, that hurt that. us badly, yeah. very badly. No doubt about that. And that would have been a fantastic achievement, obviously uh, coming into well, the, you look, yeah, the AFL third, third, yeah, third, yeah. third or fourth year of well, everyone together. Third year, yeah. and then these clubs have been there a hundred years and won one premiership. Yeah, you know so. Uh, the Carlton game hurt us a bit. We kicked so many points. We kicked, I think, yeah. 9.20 or something, I think, we kicked. So um, if we kicked a bit straighter that day, we weren't out of that game at all. We beat Hawthorne the week before, of course. Um, and uh, because we, I think in those days, because your uh, uh, fours and against was certain levels, you could get a second chance. Yeah, so because uh, Carlton did beat us, I think. and They did, yeah, so... And then we played um, Essen in a prelim final. Yeah, a previous guest on our on our show, Sean Tasca, mm. speaks very frustratingly that day. Tasca had a, probably about four shots where his kick was fine, and it just yeah. got touched or marked on the line. And yeah. yeah, so he didn't he didn't have much luck. And that, he got dropped after that game, which let's just say he hasn't really got over. It was bamboozling yeah. from our point of view as yeah. well. So it was a bit of frustration there as well. And of course, yeah. after that, you probably. You know, the, you ended up coaching at West Adelaide, where a club which you're yeah. held in fantastic regard, and you speak fondly of your time at uh, at the Bloods, Kingo. Yeah, I do. I, I went there, and uh, certainly, you know, whoever's be, I'm a great believer in whoever's done it before. You move on and don't fall, go back. I think you've you've got to go in there, and you know, you you're the you're the head fella, and you you've got to, you know, 
put put your stamp on it. And I think I enjoyed myself immensely there for five years. Um, I was just not trying to complain, but it was extremely hard with my work because I had massive business and lots of people to look after at work, and I was doing an enormous amount of hours over that period. And um, I, I think over I did it for five years, and I should have done it longer, but I just I was worn out, you know, mentally and physically. But yep. certainly. I did enjoy uh, West Adelaide immensely. I enjoyed coaching the players I coached there and the administration. And, you know, I, I, I can't say a bad word against Doug Thomas at all. I had a wonderful president, Dion McCaffrey, and uh, the catering group were wonderful. And I, I can't speak highly enough of West Adelaide. Um, and, uh, yeah, we nearly got to the big dance once. Um, I think out of five years, we made you know, finals a few times. So um, we won more than we lost. Uh, which I was very pleased. And I certainly, um, from the junior development, I spent a lot of time through the Riverland and our zones. And you know, at one stage, we're hardly getting anyone down from the Riverland. I spent every you know by the Riverland and uh, long weekends at the Riverland. And uh, my second year there, we got 22 players down, which I was really happy. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. And, and out of the 22, I think a couple of went on to play uh, AFL footy. So. Um, the country people need to see you, and yes. um, I, I was extremely big on that. And don't forget, you're going to their domain. You can't talk about what you do in the city. Yep. You're talking about what they're doing. And I've, been, I've come from the country, and you've got to talk about them, not you, uh, or, you know, from that point of view. So I, I'll give a big tick there, I reckon, um, from that point of view. But I, I did really enjoy Westies. I did. And then, of course, after that, uh, footy, footy director back at Nord, um, yep. You had a significant influence there. Yeah. Uh, go through that side of things, Kingo. Yeah, then I had a bit of a break. I did radio yep. for a few years on, on yes, the ABC, that's right. which, I, which I loved. Um, yep. And then, of course, you know, um, I got an opportunity to go back through Keith Thomas. Yep. Uh, Tom, I ran me out of the blue, and so we needed a bit of a help behind the scenes. And I, was, uh, and I wasn't that interested to start with, but I'd... Being my old club, I thought, yeah, I'll sit down with him and have a chat. And he had this vision and what vision he had. He did a wonderful job there with the help from a lot of people and just putting key people in certain places and, uh, you know, to be seen and not heard. And that's what we did, you know. So and never brag about your wins and get on to the next win. So, you know, from that point of view, there was certain positions, positional changes and put people in certain roles. And, and then, of course, we put Bass in as coach. Yeah. History shows you're a wonderful coach, Bass, and he had three premierships out of five years. So, you know, and then uh, Ben Warren came along and got us another premiership, and he'd lost 14 players from the year before. So, um, but the the history there is a wonderful club, and the wonderful people still are there today. So, if you look at uh, you know how to run a footy club, just just knock on their door. You gave us an extra flag, then King Over. We won't object to that. We'll (laughs) we'll add that one on. Um, Bass had two, so it just. In terms of, you know, your overall footy experience, it was such a long experience. Like you very nearly played the four hundred senior games, and yeah, and you know, huge involvement. It really has been a lifelong involvement with the game, basically, Kingo. Well, it has. It's, it's been my life, and I always dreamt about playing footy. You know, as a young kid, and if I was good enough, and had, I just had opportunities at the right time, and. I'm so grateful for all the people I've met through through the game from start to even today, you know. So if you look at the uh, the longevity, um, I think you, you've got to be – don't get ahead of yourself. Um, you're there for a certain reason, and the reason is to, you know, 
either as a player or administrator or coach, um, you know, your time can be very short, um, but you can make it long if you want. And I just think don't gloat on your on your wins and just work hard. And I, I just think and be very, very grateful what people do for you and be appreciative of everything they've done. And uh, I've always been that way. And yep, very as, much I'll, so. say, I'll, I'll say it again, don't get a big head because, you know, uh, if you look through your life, your footy career is very short. And I've always thought that. Um, I've always had plan B and plan C in my head. And uh, if you're good enough to play at that level, make the most of it while you're there um, because the next generation's coming through. It always is. And if you do, you know, uh, coach at all, um, just, just throw everything into it and, and teach, teach people how to play footy. And that's very important. And I know, obviously, you don't play for individual accolades, but your induction no. into the uh, Australian Hall of Fame in 2022? Yeah, yeah. I got a phone call last year and um, the... Um, Took us 10 years to get you through, King O, too, <laughs> by the way. But, I, look, I was happy to be, like, with Nord, just happy to be uh, life man of the Sandfall, um, Nord, the uh, team of the century and the Hall of Fame at Nord and, and being legislators at Nord was just just wonderful, uh, being a legend there. And then I got the call from Richard, you know, last year and um, I, I, I was a bit speechless at the time and uh, I can guarantee I don't cry very often, but I'd hang the phone up and always... I started crying my eyes out because I, I just thought back to what mum and dad had done for me way back yeah. as a 13 and, and 14 year old. I, you know, I had no license, of course. I couldn't drive at 13, but I used to travel, you know, take me everywhere with the girls and playing everywhere and just all the coaches that had helped me. And it just all floods back and all the, you know, the members of footy clubs and, and just how grateful you are to them. And uh, if it wasn't, it's not an individual sport, it's a team sport and you can't do it by yourself and it just, uh, it's the biggest thing I've ever been to and I invited all my family and my sister came over from London for it, uh, which yeah, I was so appreciative right. yep. of her, her doing that. So, and they, they, they treat you like, you know, you've never seen before. They just treated me so well and, uh, and all those. It's interesting on that night, there was three twenty nines inducted into the Hall of Fame. So, you know, the Boomer Harvey and then um, yeah. Matthew, Matthew Pellich and myself. And, and it was just ironic that those yeah. three three numbers were actually in that night. I could just remember, always remember, saying, oh, 329s, that's interesting. But but certainly it's a big night for, for, for your families and uh, to, to celebrate massively. And uh, I'll never forget it. I was going to say, uh, to finish us off, uh, get, it, get you out of here on this one, was uh, who did you want to thank? But I think you've already covered it there, that family uh, has certainly uh, oh, stood by you right through. One other very important oh. very important point, the Nord Best and Fairest is now quite rightly named the Michael Taylor mm-hmm. Michael Taylor Medal. And, uh, yeah, let's just, you know, that's obviously a big, big uh, tick and, yeah, something you should justifiably be proud of as well. Yeah, I'm know. very honoured from that. Absolutely, Malcolm, I'm just... You know, for that, that for them to do that and and put up my name to that medal is uh, is amazing, and I can't. And I, I look, I thank everyone through through from start to finish, and I think you never forget where you, my mum always told me as a young kid, never forget where you come from, son, uh, and that, that's so true, you know. Um, and don't get ahead of yourself, you know. Be who you are and work hard, and uh, things will happen. I will say as a supporter, that's something you've always done, King. I always had time for everyone. Yep. I remember going, going to get petrol one night, ran into King. I only got home an hour and a quarter later, and the other half wanted to know <laughs> what the hell had happened. We had a chat. You know, 
Kingo's always been fantastic like that. Appreciate, appreciate always your friendship over the years, Kingo, and thank you and greatly appreciate it for being on the show and on a sensational career. Thank you. Thanks, Malcolm. Thanks, Peter. Thank you, mate. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure to uh, regale some of those stories with you, mate, and a couple of years, obviously, I wasn't born, but uh, I love my red legs. (laughs) I love my red legs just as much as the blues, so that's okay. That's gold. That's gold. Thank you, Peter. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Kingo. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Welcome back. Uh, Michael Paler, uh, absolutely fantastic with some of those stories, Malcolm, uh, about obviously the 75 and 78 premiership heading over to Collingwood coming back to Norwood and obviously some time with the Crows. And at West Adelaide, footy director as well. Such a rich life in footy and, yeah, someone I respect uh, enormously and, yeah, can't rate him just so highly as a person. When you think of Norwood, uh, obviously two influential peoples through uh, some of these AFL teams now and also the SNFL was Neil Baum and Michael Taylor by the sounds of it. Yeah, and Wally Miller. Wally and Miller, yep. Yeah, there's been... You know, Wally Miller is incredible in Australia. Leadership seems to be the the key word that comes out from from these guys. They they enjoy each other's leadership, and um, you know, taking under the wing there for a little while. Two eight was uh, kind enough to to help yeah. uh, Kingo out, and um, his leadership was uh, certainly shone through when when uh, Kingo was talking about it. Oh, yeah, he's a, he's a great man. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. And a kick-off happy days today, mate. Uh, happy birthday to a Port Adelaide great man, Scotty Hodges. Oh, I want it, you know, as much as I hate to say it, that kick in 96. Yes. I was actually, uh, I was actually in hospital at the time. I was pretty crook. And when Hodges kicked that goal, let's just say radio may have pulled off second be- second best, <laughs> and the nurse ran into the room because she thought I'd collapsed and uh, was very relieved. And when as football as that all, and I... Let's just say there was no way in the world I was going to win Burnside Hospital Patient of the Month Award. Absolutely. So. Uh, obviously playing for the Port Adelaide Magpies Footy Club, but also for the Crows. He played uh, between 1987 and 1998 uh, at Port Adelaide. Uh, 167 games for 671 goals. Oh, he's one of the all-time greats. The 153 goals, the McGarry Medal, fantastic kick. Um Probably wasn't appreciated enough as he could have been in Adelaide, could have been used better. Mm-hmm. Also coincided with Modra as well. Well, so that was, was what I was going to say. Bit... He sort of came in at the time where yeah, Modra so was, was... was firing, wasn't he? I think it still could have been done better than what it was. Um, Obviously played yeah. uh, in 1996 for the Crows, 38 from uh, 1996. Played 38 games for 100 goals in total. Yeah, which is still... It's know, a reasonable. special achievement, yeah, really, he isn't kicked it? kicked 11 against Geelong one day. Look. His, his finals record for Port Adelaide was just amazing. You know, six goals on one leg and yep. one one year, and yeah, breaking Rick Davies' record, which Rick Davies was was in tears about. He wasn't <laughs> celebrating it. And look, one of the greats, uh, eight time premiership player yeah, for yeah. Port Adelaide Magpies, nineteen eighty eight, ninety, ninety two, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, and ninety eight. Uh, 
Jeez, the 90s were pretty good to Scotty Hodges, weren't they? Yeah, a few painful memories there. Uh, no, Maga- no, one of the greats. McGarry medalist in yep. 1990 as well. I could go on. These stats yeah, are unbelievable. Uh, love to get him on to have a bit of a chat, but uh, we'll see how we go there. All right, we move on. Uh, in 2003, tennis, Andre Agassi recaptures the world number one ranking, becoming the oldest top-ranked male in the history of the ATP rankings of 33 years and 13 days at that time. time yeah. Yes. I was going to say since, but it's... It's funny you look at that thing. Thirty three is not that old, Correct. yeah. But but back then it did seem was almost a little bit like the thought process in footy back then. Mm-hmm. Don't dare turn thirty. Yes. Um. So it's a bit there where probably trainings improved, diet, all that uh, recovery, all that side of things, and people now go longer. Absolutely. I mean, we talk about that from a tennis point of view. We'll flip it back on the footy point of view. You know, some of these guys like Sloan Walker, yeah. you know, getting in their mid-30s, but because their dietary and their exercise regime and recovery, recovery. routine has just been so good, uh, it's extending their careers. Yeah. But you're right, yeah. there'd been pl- plenty of players changing their birth certificates uh, to try and get the uh, age below 30 back in the day. But now it's almost a badge of honour. Let's also not forget what Andre Agassi achieved off court, marrying Steffi Graf. He's, uh, I, I call that a number one ranking as well. He is uh, paired up quite well, yes, and that well all ha- that all actually happened from a uh, Wimbledon. They both won the Wimbledon final, yeah. and as part of the tradition, they've yeah. got to dance with each other at the Wimbledon ball, and it all sort of stemmed and flowed from there, which is just amazing when you think about it. Bizarre. Yeah, 2003 as well, mate. Uh, cricket, uh, World Cup, Bridgetown, Barbados, Australia defeats... Sri Lanka by 53 runs to win their third consecutive World Cup. Glenn McGrath, ooh, uh, Glenn McGrath, named player of the series. Yeah, had a huge series. I, I'm trying to remember if that was the final where it finished in the dark and, and that, trying to remember there. Um, yeah, I reckon that might have been the one where Gilchrist walked. So just trying to remember off the top of my head. I think head, you're right, actually, things, yeah. yeah where the, the controversy, whether they weren't too happy with him. Absolutely. Um, one of the fairest guys going around, yeah, isn't it? So, but a great win by Australia in the end. Yeah, and they certainly were the dominant series side on those World Cups. And I know you'll know this being a cricket man, but some of our listeners may not, but Glenn McGrath could almost tell you exactly who he got on what wicket, no matter where and where, when yep. and where it was. Yeah, someone after, after my own heart, obviously there, being a fellow stats lunatic. Yeah, no, he, he can. So, Glenn, what was your 216th wicket? Yeah, I got, uh, you know... Uh, Robin Smith caught down the leg side yep. at, uh, at Nottingham, blah, yep. blah, blah. Yeah, he just does that for a Just know, for it's fun. ridiculous. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, we move on. Uh, we're going to go to the uh, English Premier League. Manchester City defeat Manchester United 1-0 and is claimed to be one of the biggest matches in the English Premier League's history. Yeah, certainly the Premier League. That You know, the Manchester rivalry there and... Manchester City have probably had the upper hand of the last Lately, yeah. long time where it used to be United, where now it's City. Um, yeah, it is one of the great rivalries. Could you well. could you compare that to a Carlton Collingwood or a Nord Port or a Crows Port? You can argue it's bigger, but that's we're not over there. Yeah, it is. It's a huge rivalry. Yeah. Liverpool Everton. Yes. You know, um Absolutely. All right, and to finish off, uh, we've got motor racing. 1887, we're going way, way back here. Uh, motor racing, Europe's first motoring competition is won by Marquise de Dion on a steam-powered quad cycle built by French toy maker and engineer George 
Bolton, French newspaper, and I can't pronounce <laughs> that there. Uh, Le Vis, Le Vis Le there you go, yeah, well played. Right. Uh, organised uh, organised the test. Uh, Bolton was the only participant. So, hey, uh, that's a one way to win it. Yeah, I missed that one in 87. Missed that by a few weeks. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. All right, let's get into the big finish. Extra time. Big finish. And Malcolm, usually in this sub, sub uh, this time of the uh, the the podcast, we uh, we either have a bit of fun with some stuff, or in this case, we're going to talk about a couple of serious issues. Uh, yeah. Horse racing to start us off, mate. Look, Dean Holland, tragic loss. Uh, really, you know, four kids under five yeah. as well. Yep. Horse racing, it's a, it is a dangerous industry. You know, we forget. People what, don't realise how dangerous oh, it is. That's the problem. It is an absolute tragedy. Hearts out to Dean, obviously the family, friends, and the whole horse, horse racing industry. Um, you know, just don't know what else they can do. But, yeah, it, they, they're mammoth animals and people just don't realise. And they go the like the clappers oh, too. That's the, the thing. they're going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe I heard uh, tonight that um, at Morfitt Vale and also Victoria, somewhere in Victoria, they're doing a guard of honour and a minute silence, uh, obviously to respect the wishes of uh, of Dean Holland. Look, he pretty well respected. You've certainly got around around and read some stories this way. Look, it's just a tragedy, and yeah. Words sort of fail a bit more as well there. We move on from that to uh, a bit of an AFL slash SNFL, um, a little bit with the mental health, but a uh, young player passes away in the Adelaide Hills League, uh, uh, promising Ant- junior player. Yeah, Antonio Locacuno. Um, apologies if I haven't Absolutely. got that quite yep. correct pronunciation. Look, he played as a junior at Nord as well. Uh, he'd been around traps a little bit, and he's ended up at Burwood. Yeah, tragic, just accident against Gamaraka. Um, I may have grabbed one of the Nord kids on Sunday. Said, how are you going? And, oh, I'm not playing that well. Said, Sam, Sam Morris, look, does listen to a pet podcast. Bugger footy, this thing's way more important than that. How are you going, mate? And, look, we do need blokes to talk more, and it does our hearts out to Antonio, his friends, relatives, mm-hmm. family, just an, an absolute tragedy. But on the mental health side of things, I want to congratulate a guy today, Matty Nunn, Nord, ca- Nord captain, has come out and said, hey, I-, I need a bit of help. I'm not going that well. And he has, so uh, Kennelly um, is now being co-captain the rest of the year yep. uh, with with Matty. But it's more the point, just Matty's actually been honest and admitted it. Um, you know, I've had a, conversation with him today back and forth a bit with texas and yeah uh, catch up but i just think over that we've got to have blokes admit we're getting better yes but geez there's still a distance to go hey i'm not okay i need a bit of hand the uh the afl have led the way in this space uh recently uh it certainly isn't a stigma these days for players to come out and say hey you know i'm not i'm not actually doing so well i congratulate maddie on doing that and actually speaking up uh we do obviously 
hearts go out. Hey, chuck us a message on our Facebook if you just want to chat about anything. Uh, both Malcolm and I are obviously administrators there, so we do see messages as they come up. Um, you know, Jacob Kennelly. Too Jacob, there, sorry. So, yeah, um, Jacob uh, putting you know, with Maddie there. Yep. I just think out of that, there have been two absolute tragedies in sport in the last couple of weeks, and it's just a huge reminder. You know, Anzac Day is a reminder as well that there's things far more important than winning or winning and losing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and hearts out to everyone. Absolutely. Everyone. Condolences, obviously, to Antonio's family and everybody involved. Yeah. Uh, mate, we've got to move on. Uh, tennis. Uh, Tanasi Kokonakis, yeah, once again, in a little bit of a heated dispute at the end of a match, just seems to be a bit bristly lately. Yeah, it's you do wonder, you know. Seeing, seeing and... the footage a little bit, um, there was... I'm not going to say this right. There was probably a little bit of a language breakdown. Uh, Tanasi was saying something to the umpire. The player thought he was saying something to him. Um, there just seems like there was a little bit of confusion there. At the end, they sort of agreed to di- disagree. Uh, they just couldn't settle it at the end. Yeah. Look, it all it didn't end in fisticuffs or pushing and shoving. It was just a, a heated debate at the the net. Going, you know, did you say this and did you say that? And and yeah, it was just it was weird. It was just really weird. Bit bizarre. I just, yeah. Crazy. Uh, but, yeah, just a little bit bristly lately. Uh, obviously, mm. he's uh, back on the tour on a full-time basis and some things are frustrating him more than others. All right, mate, we move on. Uh, big announcement uh, this week uh, or in the last couple of days, and I believe tomorrow being Saturday, um, uh, there's a huge announcement down in Tasmania. Tasmania to get the 19th licence. Yeah, the government's come through with the money with the stadium is my understanding. Positives I, and negatives. That's probably where I want to want to kick us off here. I'm fully in terms. There should be a team in Tasmania. We can't debate that. That that that's just a given. Personally, it shouldn't be another team. Yep. It should have been a relocation. Now I know Tasmania kept saying no, no, we want our own side. Well, hang on. Sydney started off as South Melbourne relocating. Does everyone remember that now? South Melbourne supporters do now when Sydney are in finals. Yes. They think it's great. Which is fantastic yes. as well, and, and full and credit to Brisbane and Sydney. Fitzroy. Are the, Fitzroy exactly the same, the same thing. thing which yes, I do think that's what should have happened. I think it is still absolutely ridiculous to have ten teams in Victoria. It's meant to be a national competition, not an extended VFL. I was and, surprised when oh. they announced it, saying that it was the nineteenth license. I was hoping that they were saying, "Look, there's going to be a team down there, or there's going to be a team coming out of Tasmania." And that they would be exploring opportunities for not only a Victorian team to relocate, in some cases probably Gold Coast, but I know that's more of uh, securing that Eastern Seaboard uh, sponsorship money. Sort of understand that, but you know they're not going to build an indoor stadium. Uh, I believe that the decision behind that is so that way they can host Test match cricket. Yeah. Um, so it, it's got us little ways to go. This at the moment, there still be a few bit of. Toing and froing on various things and and all that, and you know, I, I heard tonight on Tim Geneva and Treaders saying that it's ridiculous. It's only going to be twenty three thousand. Well, I'm the other way. I think that you don't want it any bigger. You want to be able to sell it, get all season tickets sold. You can do your budget from there. Mm-hmm. That's our incoming money. You can sell the tickets at a premium. Yes, not under if it's thirty five and it's not selling out. So I actually think that's smart. Yes. I, I, I'm sitting there, I was driving, listening and thinking, you guys think. And 
Yeah, I, I don't think they're thinking the overall picture. I, I, I sort of agree with you there. I think you've got to look at what's going to be built around it is the key. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they're talking about Adelaide being the somewhat an Optus Stadium over in Perth being the template where you're building it where there is uh, easily, easily accessible uh, from a, a city or a hotel or a, or a pub. Um, to be able to generate that income through that area. So I think it's positives, but I also think there's still a couple of little yeah. negatives there. And I think Eddie put it quite – Eddie Maguire uh, put it quite uh, succinctly on um, footy classified is that, you know, the the AFL are sort of wanting it to happen and the government are wanting it to happen, but the AFL clubs have, have got to agree to it to happen. And if they don't, it's almost like shooting Bambi. Yeah. So they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Uh, I was surprised that they did um, – say, the 19th licence. I, I yeah. thought they might just leave it open that Tasmania will have a team, and whether that be a uh, merged team or a team re- relocating, very I think, interesting. I think out of that, they were just listening to Tasmanians' wishes, saying, we no, it's got to be our own team. Mm. I, I just disagreed with not seeing the overall thing there. I, I, and I just don't think there's enough players well, for 19 teams either. I, I think the standard, Well, the standard's standard starting to drop, and, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, the last few on each side, so we now have a compromise. It's going to start off the compromise draft again and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, look. I, There's yeah. a ways to go. What, what uh, year do you see it actually coming to fruition? Probably 28 or 29. That's where I think it's going to be, 20, 28, yeah. 29, maybe 30, 30 if maybe. things start to blow out a little bit. Yeah. Um, that does give them a reasonable lead-up to obviously secure yeah. some local talent as well. Yeah. I know they did go through the... Um, 20 players that are playing currently. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I did look at that through that list and I'm thinking there ain't... There's a few old older yeah, ones there, there that are not going to be around when that happens. There's no real person which smack, smacked you going, well, we've got to recruit them to be a marquee player immediately. Yeah. The only player from Adelaide here, both Adelaide and Port Adelaide, is Chase Jones. Yeah, and look, he's steady improvement this year and he was a high draft choice and all that, but... He doesn't smack you between the ears as the marquee player. Agreed. All right, uh, mate, we'll leave that one there. That one's going to have some legs over the next few days and we'll, we'll obviously talk about it in our, in our next podcast. Uh, just staying with the AFL, uh, North Melbourne past legends um, Wayne Carey and Pagan uh, coming together for the first time since that incident in the 90s. Yeah, look, some good things. I think it's just got to be careful what comes out yep. because there's stuff there which... Doesn't well, serve any purpose. Correct. It's not for us to no. talk about, so to speak, as far as make comment on because we weren't there and we yeah, don't know I... the full set of circumstances. But it's very interesting that two uh, people who had been linked through the North Melbourne uh, days where they were flying, yeah. uh, first time they've talked in 20 odd years, just is amazing to me. Yeah. Because it sort of tore North Melbourne apart. Oh, I did. And, no and that's, that. I'm sort of leading to this where North Melbourne really haven't recovered from that. Not to a large extent. No. Let's remember, he was the king. He was the number one player. You know, he's number one player in the competition as well. Um, yeah, and it's a, it's a messy situation where there's no winners. Absolutely. Um, and we finish off tonight, mate, for the Live Golf. Uh, congratulations to the Grange Golf Club. Uh, hosted the biggest and best players in the world, and did they turn it on? And Adelaide, the weather turned it on as well, yeah. which certainly helped. Oh, incredible. It'll be interesting. We are trying to get Nick Haslam on. I did leave a message for Has today, so mm-hmm. I will keep 
chasing him to uh, try and get him on to speak about it and get from that perspective. Um, incredible success. You know, two weeks here where South Australia has been the leading sport, you know, the capital of the uh, in the in the country mm-hmm. and, and arguably the world with the golf. Mm-hmm. We live golf, and you heard the players saying that's been the best tournament so far. Rah, rah. Now so, we do have it for one more year. I did hear that um, somebody let that out of the bag before Peter Malinowskis could sort of uh, announce it uh, officially. Um, but I think that they're looking at another further two years yeah, I, as I, well. My understanding is it's going to be another yeah to get the three years be a bit similar to what uh, Gather Round will be from there. I, I think that's a fait accompli is my understanding. Um, look, just two great weeks. It's fantastic, isn't it? And if the players are saying this was just absolutely fantastic, can't wait to come back, yeah. then uh, you know you're on a winner there. And it was different. I mean, a lot of people don't understand that, you know, the uh, I suppose the old person's golf uh, is something that's there still, yes, but I think we have a new segment, a bit like the Big Bash. Yeah. And 2020 yeah, and, and the so on and so on. That hole and the celebration. Oh, wasn't that hole in one amazing? Oh, incredible. And, yeah, look. It, it's different, but we've got to go with the times and a sensational, hey, a sensational, successful tournament. They're attracting uh, new new um, uh, sponsors, oh. new supporters. I meant they had seventy. Did I read seventy seven thousand over the three days? Yeah, um, and they were still turning people away. Yeah. and they had to open up extra tickets to view the uh, pro am. Yeah. because they couldn't fit everybody yeah. in. I mean, that's just crazy. So they're looking at ways to increase that next year. People to watch Andrew Jam and play golf. Yeah, different. Yep. Uh, not on my bucket list, no, unfortunately. No, but anyway, there were nothing yes, against Jars yes, on that no. one there. Uh, mate, we've uh, once again come to a an end of another big uh, episode. We thank Michael Taylor for his time tonight. Um, and as per usual, mate, we promise to do better. We'll have another crack. See you next week. In this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at SportsCast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On.